I'm Becky. And this is Claire. Wow, yet another episode. Yes. <laughs> I know. We'll see how long the streak is going to be, but for now, just be appreciative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing wrong with your old <laughs> with your previous one. No, once you mention it, it's hard to go back, you know. And is it really? Yeah, it is. And I feel like you're going to call me out on it. No, like, no once it I go back to the it was just a fun observation. It was like, oh my god, we're so different. Look, it even comes out in our intro that was the purpose it wasn't a shame it wasn't a shame I think your previous intro was just fine if you're looking to experiment try something new I'm all behind you but don't do it out of sense of shame because that was not the intention um I think it's lovely anyway with that out of the way welcome to another episode of Podway so in this podcast we discuss things related to musical theaters plays and in today's episode it technically isn't a musical theaters or plays but we'll do it anyway it's a musical episode from Buffy the Vampire Slayer Mm -hmm. that's why I say right yeah yes and the episode we're covering is once more with feeling obviously okay obviously how do you know there is not more than one I don't know I just kind of assume that usually there's going to only be one or a few a handful of musical episodes in a tv show Riverdale has three so (laughs) Riverdale and that is recent I think this one is probably from a long time ago right yeah it's from 2001 so a while back more than 20 years ago which is a horrific thought to think about. But yes, in this case, you're also right with your intuition. There's only one musical episode and boy, what a musical episode. We actually did cover a musical episode before, which is what we mentioned right now with Riverdale. We have only covered one of them and not the whole three that they have. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to do the compare and contrast with this one and that one. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let's go on to a brief summary. Um, Once More We're Feeling is a musical episode from the series Buffy and the Vampire Slayer, like you said, Claire. And Buffy the Vampire Slayers is kind of like a monster of the week show following Buffy Summers and her friends as they battle against forces of evil. The episode features the typical monster of the week. In this case, it's a demon that compels people to reveal their innermost secrets through song and dance until they essentially burn to death. The group must battle him to save the town, all the while trying to hide their own secrets they've been harboring and keeping from each other. So yeah, this is kind of like the the synopsis of the episode. We'll go a little bit more in depth later on in the segment the musical doesn't actually have a huge amount of research that I was able to do in a short time regarding the importance of it but just without this like you know how important this musical episode is it literally was named one of the most influential tv episodes of all time by several like like important tv news sources and it really brought about the genesis of a lot of musical episodes so if you have a lot of sucky musical episodes for example that you didn't enjoy for example heathers from riverdale you might have something to say to this one because it's kind of like big and a big inspiration to anybody within tv production to make an episode like this it's kind of like the golden standard so yeah that's that's a very influential episode And I'm really curious to speak about it. But before we do, I really want to know about your background with either Once More With Feelings or with Buffy the Vampire Slayer in general. 
Oh man, I feel like I'm being saying this like maybe 20 times in a row by It's now. It's tradition, <laughs> except lemons. But um, I know nothing about the show, and obviously nothing about the episode. Mm -hmm. I am actually really surprised to find out that it was such a big thing because I never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Never heard of it. I did not grow up with it. Um, probably because. You said that this came out like 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And I only started to really have some knowledge or have some exposures to more like North American shows and cultural stuff when I was a little bit older. Um, so maybe about like 10 years old or something like preteen kind of. So when I was like really a little kid, kid, kid age, I had no knowledge of any of this stuff. Did it? compel you to watch any further at all because I know for example with Heathers you watched not Heathers um the Riverdale Heathers episode you watched a little bit of the episodes before right I did I think and I think I watched one more after that I can't okay. remember and for Bridgerton I definitely well it's not really a musical episode <laughs> yeah exactly I watched a couple episodes because of it mm -hmm. um yeah but for this one unfortunately I have to say it did not prompt me to watch anything more mm -hmm. I did accidentally click on the episode before so I think this is like episode seven or something yeah. and I think I guess I didn't click on episode six so I watched like the beginning of that episode six and I realized it was the wrong episode so I just kind of go straight into <laughs> the right episode and that was that was really it I see. Okay, yeah. This is episode six, uh, episode seven of season six. There are seven episodes. Um, I keep mixing them up. I'm sorry. <laughs> There are seven seasons in total. So we are kind of nearing the end. Um, and the show had a lot of evolutions throughout it. So maybe starting with the episode before wouldn't give you a whole lot of context, even if you did it intentionally, which you haven't. But in terms of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, it was a huge show. And I do remember we discussed, for example, your older sister was really into Western media. Um, mm -hmm. The way I found about it initially was through my brother who's been watching it, who's older than me. Um, mm -hmm. So I was wondering if your older sister ever mentioned it or if you know she is aware of the series at all. I did not mention it to her, so I don't know if she knew it. But um, my guess is was gonna be that she doesn't, mm -hmm. or even if she does, she didn't. It didn't stick with her because if this was something that she was into, then I probably would at least have seen it like once or twice because we all kind of live together in the same room. <laughs> so I know for sure. For example, she was watching things like Friends, and I watch Friends because of that. Or so I don't think so because I have no memory, or I just can't recall ever seeing it on the TV ever. Right. So that's my guess, but I can ask her and confirm. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it will be redundant in the end of this yeah, episode, so not going to be useful. But I was just curious, just because it didn't really stick with me that my brother has seen anything of it. We didn't grow up with um, cables. We had exactly two channels because my parents didn't believe that TV is good for us, even though we had like a mountain amount of 
VHSs and DVD likes and stuff like that. So I spent a lot of my time watching TV anyway. The fact that I had no cable didn't really help at all. But um, whenever he did go to watch it, it would be through my grandma's house. It didn't have cable. Um, but I didn't really get a whole lot of exposure to it until I came here. And we are very... Um, let's say movie nights are a very long tradition within our household we would essentially watch episode of tv series daily we call it movie night i know it's very confusing but we would watch an episode of tv series daily and one of the ones that i uh was curious about was buffy and since my brother had some kind of familiarity with it he says that it's okay my dad wasn't a whole lot ecstatic about the situation because he doesn't like sci-fi and fantasy at all but he was willing to watch it with us um for our movie night if uh, my brother and I were happy about it Mm -hmm. so we watched it we stopped watching it together after season one and then I just binged everything by myself because obviously the entire series was out already and I took it out of um as dvds from the library because I think like my brother is very weird about it but he's very against like streaming illegally and as a result we had to pretty much narrow our searches to whatever was available in the library makes movie night very difficult I'm so glad Mm -hmm. for Netflix but Mm -hmm. I binged that and then I binged the series at least three more times in completion once more with feeling is my favorite episode from the entire series and there are a lot of excellent episodes in the series for example hush and the body are fantastic but um once more with feeling is my favorite i know it's very in-depth i think i watched it over 10 times and uh you know when you have like rainy days of no internet or no power or what uh, whatever you have actually experienced this recently because we had a power <laughs> outage for rogers but But uh, for those rainy days, I would have several things downloaded so I can keep myself entertained. And this was one of the things I had downloaded um, at the time. So definitely a series, uh, an episode near and dear to my heart. So I'm really, really excited to discuss it. I wanted to discuss it for quite a while. And I'm currently on probably my fourth rewatch of the series. But I am. Wow. Yeah. But I am like stuck in season four, which is pretty much the worst season in my opinion so getting over the hurdle of season four has been difficult I haven't I have dropped it and put it aside I think for the past several months so I'm maybe skip it just skip season four no go to whatever that you like no I you know when you have like a mentality you have to complete it from start to finish and you don't want to skip anything because otherwise it's not completing it from start to finish this is what I have in mind there are several episodes that I watched more than like three times that I've watched from the start to finish of the entire series my favorites essentially this one obviously I've watched for 10 times but I like having like the ability to say oh you know I've finished the series all the way through like four times or or 50 times if it's Harry Potter so you know it's it's a feeling that you get Huh, interesting. I'm guessing you don't repeat a lot no, of shows. No, <laughs> I mean, I repeat a lot of movies, not shows. Which like movie sh- do you repeat mo- most? The Dark Knight? Um, I watch a lot of Dark Knight, sure. I watch a lot of Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. And recently, actually, just as we speak right now, mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of rewatching Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Editor version. So this is like 12 hours. hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
fun okay fun I know I know I've been telling my family that this should be our uh, Christmas transition from now on because last Christmas we were deciding what to watch and we decided to go with the oh my god why did we do this the Hunger Games trilogy and I hated it so I'm like yeah no man we're not gonna do anything like that we watched all seven Harry Potter movies last year as well eight not gonna do that Oh yeah sorry eight (laughs) movies as well and not gonna do that anymore Mm. so I think from now on, we should just stick with this 12 hours Lord of the Rings trilogy and just call it, I guess, a year? A year, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is definitely well done all the way through. But uh, I have to say it's very difficult for us usually to find a movie to go through. We that are very serious people. We stick <laughs> to one series and it satisfies us for like a, a, a while which is what we prefer but uh-huh. movies have always been difficult everybody has such different tastes my brother doesn't like violence my sister and I are pretty much okay with whatever but um the fact that okay he, with whatever whatever that works with him like he would oh, not okay, be okay, okay with tragedy he would not be okay with horror so within that we would be okay, okay um, but he on top it. of that doesn't like any violence which makes it very difficult to find, for example, an action movie or even a sci-fi or fantasy movie because they all include some kind of gore usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we stick to, <laughs> to series, except for Christmas time, in which case Christmas time musicals or musicals, movies are very pure, very sweet, no violence usually, unless you're watching like a horror slash Christmas movie, mm-hmm. like that horror Santa Claus movie that I saw once on DVD. Um, I didn't actually see it. I just saw the cover to make it clear. There's absolutely no way in hell that I will watch a horror movie um, for my own volition. But yeah, I, I have to say I don't have any recommendations apart from being shocked that The Dark Knight was on the table until you made things straight and you clarified The Dark Knight absolutely was on the table and you did Yeah, it was absolutely on the table, man. Even um, outside Christmas, it was on the table. Sorry. The Dark Knight is always on the table, there. for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Even for Marvel, which is what we usually do for my um, birthday tradition, when I pick a movie to watch in the cinema, they are not big fans of. Like this year, we watched the um, Doctor Strange uh, 2 movie, and they did not have a good time. Needless to say, the fact that it was probably the goriest Marvel movie out to date was not helpful, but Mm -hmm. they did not like the experience of just a Marvel movie, which is shocking to me. We discussed Marvel last episode, but um, I'm still, I'm still okay with watching Marvel as it, we don't have anything better to be frank. Um, And I do like my birthday tradition, Mm -hmm. but I am saying this to showcase how difficult it is for us to to pick a movie that works for everybody. So I'm really um, admiring your family at this moment. That you're able to bond together and pick something. No, it's kind of like I've just forced it onto them. So, oh, but they will watch it. They will yeah, go along because you can only do so them. much forcing, Claire. If they don't have any, at least, inkling of willingness, they will not do it. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's interesting how you can stick with uh, a TV series, which, in my opinion, is way longer and requires yeah. way more commitment than a movie. We yeah. pick the TV series partially because of the commitment. We're committed people. We like the commitment portion. If we have mm-hmm. something that services us for half a month or a month even, that'll be fantastic because mm-hmm. we don't have to choose something else. We don't have to go through looking of whatever works for everybody again. The fact that it's a longer thing is a huge bonus. Okay. But back to once more with feeling, should we go into the summary, the in-depth summary? 
Sure. All right. So the episode begins with Buffy patrolling the graveyard. If it don't make any sense, I just realized this while I was already starting. Please stop me and say, who is Buffy? Who is Giles? Who is Xander, Tara, Willow, whatever? Stop me and ask me these honestly, questions. Honestly, if that's the case, we'll be stopping every two seconds because I honestly did not know any of these people. Um, so did I sort it make of had sense to... to you after you? Sorry, I cut you. But um, uh, yeah, no, I kind of start reading Wikipedia to try to find out who they are as mm. we go along. Um, I can't say that I know for sure who's everyone but I think I have a clearer understanding of what everyone should be doing well not everyone should be doing but like who they are Mm -hmm. so yeah I'll try it's not scripted but I'll try to say something off the top of my head when we're introducing them before we go through everything I guess Buffy is obviously the protagonist she is the slayer the blurb in the beginning of the series is for every generation there is a chosen one she's the slayer she alone can combat the the forces of evil blah 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 so she's the chosen one person only one within the earth and she is the one to fight all the evil she has like supernatural supernatural abilities um i will touch on what happened to her that's relevant to the episode a little bit later but that's who Buffy is and -hmm. we begin with her and she's patrolling the graveyard which is something that is very normal for her to do because that's kind of like the hub of every supernatural occurrence within the town that they're at the reason why they're specifically in this town is because it sits on top of a hellmouth so it is the hub for anything that's supernatural and evil she feels the mundaneness of her routine, which is slaying vampires nightly. Her feelings stem from her death the previous season and her revival this season. She doesn't feel alive anymore. After sacrificing herself for her sister Dawn, Buffy was resurrected by her best friend Willow, who is a witch. Everyone within her friends group was sure that she was sent to hell and they were saving her, but Buffy was actually in heaven and being brought back to earth feels like a punishment, feels like her own personal hell. Despite that, she never told her friends any of that as to not hurt their their feelings. Buffy goes into the magic shop to talk to the rest of the group and asks whether everyone else burst into songs the previous night. The rest of the group confess they did and they brainstorm what possible causes could be. So let's go into the rest of the group again from the top of my head if it's rumbly, sorry. So we'll start with Giles. Giles is the only person who is an official person of the group who is supposed to be there. He is a watcher. So every slayer, when they are made into slayers they get um, a watcher to instruct them on how to improve their powers on what to do in terms of um, their slaying to guide them with the research regarding the monster of the week that is Mm -hmm. his job Buffy's parents are divorced and um, in the fifth season actually her mom died so Giles took a very paternal role he's very protective over Buffy and he loves her like a father He is the only official quote-unquote member within the group and the other ones are friends of Buffy that were recruited along the way. So her two best friends are Xander and Willow. Xander is kind of the everyday person in this case because he's the only one who doesn't have any supernatural connection besides Buffy. He is not magical. He has no background and he has no special powers, but he is very... Um, dedicated to Buffy and the cause and the friendship we have were they friends already like before Buffy 
realize the power, for example? So Buffy came into Sunnydale after, which is the name of the town, after she already got her powers. She was transferred due to um, bad behavior, I suppose, from her previous school in L.A. And I believe it was L.A. It was still in California. And um, she already knew she was a slayer. And he's actually the first person who kind of found out something suspicious about it. Because when they met, he had a crush on her. And she accidentally misplaced one of her stakes that she used to kill vampires with. And he found it very, very confusing. So he is he's been there from the very beginning. But they all knew that she was a slayer from kind of like the first time meeting her almost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then the third best friend angle, they're kind of like a trio and it's expanded over the time is Willow. Willow is very, very smart. She also became a witch relatively recently. Um, she started off as kind of like the computer whiz brainy kid and it evolved into becoming a witch. Recently, she's been having difficulties with getting addicted to dark magic and she started using it in a not so great way. You only see the beginning of the this here but this becomes her main arc within the season mm -hmm. um and then you have their respective partners so Xander's partner whom he's engaged to is Anya Anya is an ex-demon who turned human and she used to be a vengeance demon which specifically causes her to torture men um and she had a real heart arc of losing her powers and falling in love with Xander and the two of them um being engaged and stuff like that they have a very sweet relationship and Willow's uh, uh partner is Tara Tara is also aware they met in university and um Tara had a whole bunch of things really bad things happening to her in season five that still serve a lot of trauma but she is very ethical as a person she's very grounded mm -hmm. and then the last person we're going to talk about is Dawn which we already mentioned who is Buffy's little sister I'm gonna, just going to call her little sister but Dawn technically wasn't born human she was born as an interdimensional key and what? to make yeah okay. <laughs> this is season five season five is fantastic um probably my favorite season but uh when Buffy sacrifices herself she kind of like ensures that Dawn stays on earth and doesn't need to essentially die to uh to solve the whole issue of season five but yes yeah, so these are the people so let's go back to the group Buffy's little sister Dawn who walks into the shop to reveal the entire town is singing and dancing so it's not just their own group she steals a necklace from the shop while the group continues to research possible causes Willow and Tara blow off researching the issue midway to have a date in the park and meanwhile one of the townspeople is dancing so hard he bursts into flames and dies this is when we're introduced to our monster of the week, a demon. Cut to the next two members of the group, Xander and Anya, who are, as I mentioned, engaged, but are secretly having second thoughts about their wedding. And they haven't told each other before about how they feel, but they reveal it through songs here. So with the track record, you see that people are really holding in secrets. And what causes them to reveal their secrets is the song and dance numbers. Buffy goes to visit Spike, a loner vampire who is in love with her. Spike is the only one who knows Buffy's secret and she feels like she can be herself around him, but he is sick of being her confidant when she doesn't love him back and he asks her to leave. 
Tara talks to Don about the demon, saying not to worry because Willow will find out what the problem is. And Don says she's really glad Tara and Willow made it up after their fight. Tara has absolutely no memory of a fight that ever happened. And she realizes Willow put a spell on her to forget. And she goes back to the magic shop to confirm, leaving Don alone. Dawn puts on her stolen necklace and immediately gets knocked out and abducted by demons. And when she wakes up, she formally introduced to the head honcho. He's a demon. He's never mentioned by name, but his name is Sweet. Um, he is summoned by the necklace, which is kind of a talisman, and is looking for a queen to rule alongside him. Dawn tries to intimidate the demon by saying her sister is a slayer, um, but this ha- has the opposite effects because the demon wants Buffy to come and find them so he can kill her. The group reunite at the shop where Spike shows up with one of the demon goons, and the goon tells them everything, including the location, and he also reveals that the demon is planning on taking Dawn to his realm at midnight. Giles is trying a bit of tough love since he believes that he's the reason Buffy isn't out of her funk. It's because he's like very overprotective over her and he's very fatherly, as you mentioned. And personally, I really hate that they did this to Giles. This is something that happened not only in this episode, it happened throughout the season. But I'll personally unsee and forget. I think this is some kind of concussion he probably had to go through. This is not the Giles I know. But he tells Buffy she has to go and confront the demon by herself instead of all of them going as a group like they usually do. Buffy makes her way to um, essentially the place to find her sister who is held hostage. Meanwhile, both Spike and the rest of the group independently realize that they want to be there to support Buffy and follow her. Since Buffy has a head start, she is the first to make it to confront Sweet. She offers to trade places with Don if neither manages to kill the other, and he accepts. Buffy starts singing when Giles and the group arrive to give her backup, but it doesn't really help because she reveals finally her big secret to her friends that she was in heaven. Um, and just to keep it in context, this is episode seven this is a secret she's been keeping for seven episodes though and it's something that definitely had a lot of effect on her throughout those seven episodes um after her confession she starts dancing uncontrollably and going up in flames which is when she is saved by spike who just arrives and to physically stop her and tells her that she has to continue living no matter what because life is just the way it is The demon is satisfied by the theatricality of the situation and is ready to dip with Don. He says that she must come with him since she's the one who summoned him, but we actually see that she only took the necklace and didn't summon him. They deduce that one of them must have done it instead since the necklace was taken from the shop and Xander sheepishly confesses that he thought it would be fun and it would cheer people up. He didn't anticipate in causing this mess. And the demon isn't really interested in Xander being his queen, and he leaves. The group sings one final number about being unfulfilled and the uncertainty of their ways despite being victorious, and Buffy and Spike leave early and share a final kiss. This is how the episode ends. It actually has a very depressing ending, and it fits really well with the rest of the series, which is incredibly depressing um, moving forward. Mm-hmm. so yeah this is this is once more with feelings it is a very revolutionary episode and i'm curious about your overall thoughts oh man where do i begin um i have to say that 
I admire what they're trying to do with it here because what we see, well, I guess what I see from a lot of the musical episodes, like sometimes they just trying to like make it fun. You don't really see a lot of plot development, not to mention like character development. It doesn't really push the plot forwards, for example. But what we get from this episode is pretty amazing the sense that it forces everyone to confront and to be honest with each other and sometimes they bond over it sometimes it pushes the plot along and most important of all is that it facilitates a lot of the relationship and I haven't seen obviously the, the episode after but I'm assuming that because Buffy was really honest and she had to tell everybody else like what really was happening, that it would um it will it will cause a change that is irreversible in terms of the plot, in terms of re- her relationship with the, the other characters. So I thought in that sense, it's actually a very ingenious use of a musical episode when they really can just make it like a fun episode and have nothing happen. They use this as a really good opportunity to um have so much development in this just one single episode so I thought that was really well done but what I don't like about the episode as well is first of all I hate it that they end up with just Xander saying that oh I thought it would be fun and that was it now maybe there's some consequences to it and that he has to bury like in the episodes that's to follow but as far as I can tell in the episode like nobody even blamed him for anything like what the fuck he made one person died like that is not funny and I thought it was something serious that should be taken seriously but it wasn't so I was not happy with that and the other reason why okay I'm just gonna reveal it now that Xander is probably my least favorite person Mm -hmm. from here is that when he has that song with his fiance um I think it's like I'll never tell or something Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of the um, I actually thought the song was very interestingly done because they have their fear about the marriage, um, but they're sort of having to confront it. And in the process of that, they sort of bond over it, which is kind of clever. But at the same time, throughout the whole song, you can tell that he emphasize so much on her external physical beauty that Mm -hmm. he keeps on mentioning oh like her like tight embrace this is very explicit to me and he also mentioned something like um like red lips and things like that that it just feels like he's only concerned about her look and even the what's her name Anya Mm -hmm. she cares about her looks very much as well as a wife She's like, well, I look old when I uh, when I look good when I get old, or it's just a lot of it about her role, her new role as a wife, as somebody else's wife, is very much dependent on how she will look, and I just find that very disturbing. I have to remind myself that this comes from twenty years ago, and it's going to be um, produced under like a different sets of values and standards than what we're used to nowadays. But I still find that not very comfortable. Um, And therefore, I don't really like Xander in this episode just because of all that reasons. Right. Yeah, hate it. I actually find that even though I have no previous connection to any of the characters, I guess that allows me kind of see them from a very objective point of view Mm -hmm. and 
because I don't have any attachment to them, I don't feel too strongly about the other characters. I thought the relationship between uh, Willow and Tara was really cute, even though I have no idea what they went through and I had no knowledge about the fight or whatever. But I thought that was really cute that, you know, even 20 years ago, there's a, a lesbian couple and I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I don't really like Dawn. She's very much like a typical 15 years old teenager that's like all sassy for no reason. I thought that would be a very typical, I guess, teenager. Are teenagers just like that? Maybe they are. I'm very far away from that age now, so I can't remember. I don't remember myself as being this sassy when I was that age, though. But it's very typical. I feel like it's very typical, like early 2000s type of like high school character. Um, but I don't feel too negative negatively about that. But at the same time, I don't feel too strongly about it. I think in general, the episode was well structured. And I think it allows me to see a lot of the characters from a deeper sense. It's not just like, oh, this is Buffy. She's a slayer. And it's like, even though I have no knowledge about who she is, what she's done, it allows me to see her in a deeper depth than I normally would if I just pick any other random episode, probably. But I also feel like this episode really falls short on the vocal ability. I get it that they're trying to say that, oh, this is how, you know, like everyday average people when they have to confront their feelings. So therefore they're not all going to be like great singers. And that's okay. But it's just really bad that it was really painful to having to go through it. And that's not get it wrong. Like I think a lot of the numbers here are very meaningful and they're very well-structured, very thoughtful in terms of where they're placed and what they're about. But it's just the vocal ability that's not really selling it to me. So mm-hmm. yeah, I have to say I enjoyed the episode from, I guess, a storytelling perspective, but not so much of like a viewing or a listening experience. Right. That's fair completely. And I think you would fit actually right in with the rest of the people who like Buffy. Um, most of the people who are a fan of the show have uh, similar views on specifically Xander and Dawn, and they tend to really like the other characters. But uh, Xander used to be very popular, if I gather correctly, in the time period where this was set, when there was a lesser awareness of misogyny, I suppose it was less widespread um, uh, ideas of feminism and stuff like that. So he used to be a lot more popular and now people are not necessarily very big fan of him. And Dawn is very controversial because in my opinion and in the opinion who don't mind her, it's a very typical behavior for a 15 year old and they have more of a capacity to understand and forgive. And other people just uh, see her as very irritating. And I think it's kind of like your mileage may vary on what you consider okay within the characters you watch and and, uh, what you consider makes sense and what doesn't. I think you'll have really, really interesting ideas because some of them are very right, which I think shows that you're both very insightful, but also the show people, specifically Joss Whedon, um, were doing a good job to reveal who the characters are and to make sure that their voice is authentic for the rest of the season. And enough so that if you're plopped into this episode out of context with having absolutely no background, you would still have a similar idea to how they would behave in different other episodes of the show and understand what's their struggle currently. Um, In terms of different things, there are also things that you don't get because 
you don't have the context for them. So for example, the reason why there is a lot of fixation on Anya is yes, misogyny, but also the fact that she has been an immortal demon. So she never aged and she never lost her beauty necessarily. But now because she's human, she will age. And this is a foreign concept for her to contend with. She is also from a very long time ago. So vengeance demons, for example, are humans who have shown a lot of aptitude to uh, taking revenge. And that's when they're giving the offer to be made into demons. So from that point onward, she stopped aging. That was for many, many hundreds of years ago. So she is from a time that's a lot more critical of women as well. Um, so there are the different contexts. The real interesting portion of this is how depressing it is because this episode is kind of like a launching ground to many depressing things. So for example, the fact that Willow mind controlled in a way by making Tara forget their fight, um, their relationship and Tara, who has been mind controlled previously, causes their relationship to break down. And this is very, very difficult for her to contend with. Um, This is a launching pad for her entire addiction narrative uh, within the season. Buffy and Spike, who share a kiss in the finale of this episode, they start a very abusive friends with benefit relationship. And Dawn is contending with a whole lot of stuff. Xander and Anya don't make it through. Like he leaves her at the altar because he's scared. But Yeah, so a bunch of things don't work out and I'm really, really ecstatic that you were able to discern from here. I 100% agree with you in terms of the singing. I think some of them did an amazing job. Some of them are singers. So for example, the um, character of Giles, the actor Anthony Stewart Head is a singer. The actor of Spike is a singer. And really, you don't like it? I mean, it's a different genre. They, they, They give, for example, Spike more of a rock version because that's what he does. And Giles is also a musician, of course. I think they give him and Tara, who I'm not sure is a musician, but she has a great voice, in my opinion, more of a meaty part because they're probably more comfortable with it and they have more background. But certain other characters, for example, the actor who plays Xander, Dawn, and Willow, who has exactly two lines in this uh, entire episode in terms of singing abilities, they are quite obviously not very comfortable. And I think Sarah Michelle Gellar, who plays Buffy, does a pretty good job. Like, obviously, she is not Broadway trained. None of these people are. But and I appreciate that they're not auto-tuned to heck. I find it really funny how obvious it is that they've been previously recorded in a studio and then they're supposed to mouth to the songs that they're singing so it's not actually them singing real life. Um, And I can see how much technology has advanced only from that point or maybe even character um, uh, acting abilities have advanced from that point. So that's really, really funny to see. But maybe it's because I watched this episode while I was a little bit younger. So I have a lot of attachment to it. I don't mind the horrible singing that much considering it's not something that I would expect in this case I'm just so appreciative that they didn't auto-tune it even in like big productions like Beauty and the Beast after watching Human uh, Beauty and the Beast and seeing how horribly auto-tuned Emma Watson is that's kind of like my breaking point with any Disney live action like I'm not excited for any Disney live action anymore you should have dubbed her over I don't give a like I don't care but all of these together, I think, really work well with how insightful your your overall critique is. Um, did you enjoy the songs themselves? So obviously you didn't enjoy the singers and maybe that impacted your ability to appreciate the songs. And you did like the plot, but I'm curious what you thought about the songs themselves. If they were sung, for example, by competent Broadway singers, do you think you would have liked them or do you think you would like them? 
I think I would definitely. There are a couple I can't remember on top of my head, but I thought that a lot of the songs were pretty well thought of,、mm-hmm. and I would probably be able to pay more attention to them、uh, critically if I did not suffer so much from the vocal shortcomings. So much, eh? Which yeah, one was the it worst? It was really bad. And which one was the best? There was no worst. There was no best. I think it、really? was just really bad. All、yeah. of them. I'm shocked because I did think that some of them were very decent. Like obviously they are not Broadway, right? We can put that aside. But I don't think they're、That's、like、true. your drunk coworker who would sing their heart out at a karaoke bar level bad. You know? <laughs> okay, maybe not drunk coworker, but like coworker singing in a karaoke bar. I can totally see that happening. Okay, interesting. So. Which one would you say is the worst? You don't have to pick. Let's put it out there. But I'm just curious if you do have an idea of who is the worst or who is the best. You can let it out. I really don't have、okay. an opinion on that. To be honest, do you so have? Let's, yes, let me、okay. rank them. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so I think that、uh, Giles is the best. Then Tara. Then Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, sorry, Buffy. So Giles, Tara, Buffy, Spike, Anya, Xander, Willow. If I had to rank them, but some of them, like Xander and Willow, are not good. Not good. They are definitely like the karaoke bar level trenches I was talking about, and they actually specifically not they, but I'm pretty sure both. Anya and not Anya. Both、um, uh, Willow and Dawn requested not to have as much singing because they did mention that some of the cast members requested less, and literally Willow had two lines. So、mm. I'm sure she's one of the people who requested less singing.、Mm. And、um, I think that some of them are at a level of we're in a choir or we're in a musical theater play in high school level, you know. Or even more than that, like can have a different genre concert. So, like, like、uh, Anthony Stewart had. So, I think some of them definitely are trenches bad, and some of them can hold their own. None of them are terrific, but、okay. uh, yeah, it, it's not too much of a big deal for me personally. But I think it's also because I was really, really used to it. Speaking of that, what is your favorite song, or your least favorite song? I'm guessing is "Rest in Peace." Or I'll never tell. I can't really decide.、Mm-hmm. I don't have a favorite song though.、Um, not not from singing ability, just like the song itself. You don't have that either. I have to say, I would. I was thinking about going back to listen to it so I can, you know, run it a few times to get to kind of remember the songs a little bit more. But I really can't get through them, so I only、okay. have one watch.、Oh, I see. Okay,、yeah. so it's a bit difficult to remember, I guess. Yeah. No problem. I'm so, so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. No worries. I didn't realize. No, I feel like I know how much people love about it,、uh, especially when I watch it again on YouTube. Yeah. So I tried. I did look it up on YouTube, and I was trying to listen to it the whole thing again. I just couldn't. But I saw how many people really appreciate the episodes and really like the songs, and I just feel like okay, it makes me start wondering if it's just me, you know.、Mm-hmm. I think people different have different abilities to contend with singers they don't like. Some people absolutely cannot stand it, and I guess that's where you fall. And some people are okay with it as long as they like the songs, as long as they like the story. It's your mileage may vary to, as, 
type of situation and you're just in one camp of it and not in the other one do you remember them somewhat though so we can discuss it or you don't really remember them that well I think after walk through the fire I don't really oh well I mean there's only like two or three but Mm -hmm. after that I don't really remember what happens okay yeah no problem no problem so I would say my favorite I love all of them Oh. To be fair, I really like all of them. I think all of them are excellent okay. songs. Sorry. I do feel like you might be really biased because you love the show, though. It could be that I'm totally biased. I also think they're good songs. I agree mm. with you that not all the singers are, singers are great, and they never soar to like incredible highs of performances with their vocal abilities specifically. I think their acting is great. But the songs themselves are very well done. They're very catchy. And mm. even... I think it's to the to the test the speaking to how great the uh, the music is that even though you only watched it once you're able to remember pretty much all of them somewhat except for the last two. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it's speaking to the credit of the episode and of the writing here. But that is to say I really like all of them. The one that I end up singing the most is Walk Through the Fire. So I'm going to have to pick that. But I really do love every single number in this in this episode. Even smaller ones. You might not remember these, but they have like literally a line where they say like they got the mustard out or I've been having a bad, bad day. And she's singing about like getting a ticket from a police officer. Even those I really like. Like they got the mustard out, I think is a bob. I would love to see like a three minute version of this. No problem at all. Mm -hmm. So it has great numbers. The biggest issue is definitely the performances. Not going to lie. Not going to argue with you there. I 100% sympathize. And if that's not for you, that's totally okay. Especially since throughout the year and a half we've been covering this, we have heard so many fantastic singers. I'm sure you're used to some kind of quality that you're not getting here. So no, no issue with that at all. But what do you think about going through the motion as an opening number from what you remember? I thought this is interesting because mm-hmm. I remember I was like okay that's kind of weird because you get to see this morning where everyone else gets really busy but then Buffy is really isolated out at that point I didn't even know that she's Buffy because mm-hmm. uh there is just a lot of <laughs> gonna say it there's just a lot of like white girls here so I'm like who is who I don't know <laughs> but you get to single her out because everyone else was trying it was really busy doing their own stuff getting ready and stuff and then she just kind of there looking at her phone or something or maybe not the phone but she was just doing her minding her own business and then she started walking alone at night along the graveyard and starts slaying some monsters and I go like all right that's probably Buffy right um <laughs> so I feel like that opening is pretty clear in a sense just how lonely she is and um, how isolated she really is so I thought that was really well done I didn't really pick it up the first time though like I said, I tried to rewatch it on YouTube. I just couldn't get through the whole thing. But I did watch like the first couple. And that someone mentioned it in the common area as well, is that they really try to show her depression here with the first number, which is a rare thing to see a lot deeper than what usually opening numbers would give you. Yeah, for sure. I completely understand and agree. I think it's a great opening number because... Even before the opening number, you see, even though they all live together in the same house, 
they're pretty much like four main characters who live together or even five main characters who live together in the same house. And you see it before everybody even starts speaking, you see that they're very disconnected from each other. Each of them is doing their own thing, which contributes to her feeling of alienation and depression and just the mundaneness of human existence, taking care of what she needs to take care of and doing her duty, but without actually being physically or mentally present in them. And then the first thing you hear is her singing her heart out, which is what you would be used to with musicals in general. Like this is kind of like part of the course. But you would then learn this is something that's completely unusual and something that was actually very meaningful to her and something that rattled her to the core so far that other demons notice it as well. She is turning down handsome um, people, men in distress that she was talking to, and she has to go through her every day like this without feeling anything at all. And this shows completely the monotonous existence that she had. So I like it very much. It also showcases by putting it as the front and center, the beginning of everything, that this is what we're going to concentrate and work towards resolving in the end of the episode, that exactly what happens. So the line of plot is very, very clear. And I think it works well in that case. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think because every single song in here follows the struggles of the different members of the group and what they have to go with, I think that mm. works really well. And yeah, I also and I also think that the ending song, it's supposed to be a victorious song. They even call it some, somewhat of a victorious song in the episode itself. But the words mm-hmm. themselves are very, very depressing. It's where do we go from here? And from here, in, in case you do remember it. But they say, even though we won, we have no idea what we're doing because everything that we've been repressing to continue as normal is out in the open and we can't go the same way that we have been going until this uh this moment in time so we have to make a change and we don't know what we're going to do in here we don't know how it will affect other people and we're scared so it's a very bold choice for the ending song of a part like a normal monster of the week episode and i really love that i think it's Mm -hmm. well done so yeah what do you think about the ending song or do you have any feeling about the specific character songs throughout the way so during my first watch I was still kind of angry at that there's no consequence for Xander so I'm like fuck you and then (laughs) and then the ending song I guess now that you mentioned and I didn't really pay too much attention on the lyrics but if that is what the show or sorry what the episodes ends on it is a bold choice. I'll agree with you. I think it's very adventurous of them to trying to end it this way. But I feel like it's a good echoing to the opening song as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So this is a chance for us to go through our famous, famous segment, which is famous quiz. <laughs> oh, loving this. There All right. So you guessed it. I feel like at this point, everyone should be guessing what quiz we're going to do. Unless anyways, this is your first episode. <laughs> unless which this is your first episode. There's a lot of catch up to do. But anyways, this week we're doing everyone has a Buffy the Vampire Slayer character that matches their personality. And we are about to find out which one is yours. And this quiz is from BuzzFeed. I love the spin you put on that. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. I was trying to make it more creative. Very. Yes. (laughs) 
Okay, so question number one. What type of student are slash were you? Oh, okay, this is very topical for us. Mm. Loner, class clown, athlete, teacher's pet, theater kid, overachiever. Loner. Overachiever. Depending. Two, last two years of high school. Before okay. that, I would say loner as well. When are you most productive? Morning, afternoon, night? Oh, this depends. I have different stages in life where um, I was more productive in one way or the other. But I think right now it's probably going to be like afternoon. Night, 100%. I am useless <laughs> before that. Pick the best place to go on a date. A museum, the mall, a cemetery, a dance club, the movies, a restaurant. A restaurant. The movies. What accessory would you never leave the house without? My coat, a hair tie, a bag to carry all my stuff, my phone, a water bottle, a snack. I am pretty sure everybody will answer the same thing, which is... The phone. Yeah, 100%. Which of these would be the most helpful alley? Ally. I always get this wrong. A vampire, (laughs) a werewolf, a zombie. A werewolf? A vampire. Why? A werewolf is only useful like one day out of the... But the vampire, they can only come on at night. Yeah, but at least they can do that daily. And they can eat garlic. Okay. That Which is a is big fine. deal for me. Anyways. That's a big deal for me too. I understand. <laughs> but I'm not asking them to eat garlic. I'm just asking fine. them to be an ally. And fine. I have more use for a vampire who at least is limited in terms of the night day, but can do it every single day than a werewolf who is available only for one day of the month. A zombie, obviously, neither of us considered because they are brainless. Mm-hmm. But which of these books are your are you most interested in? In reading, this is not a correctly structured. That's okay, but it's okay. Pride and Prejudice, The Hobbit, 1984, The Wizard of Oz, Wuthering Heights, War and Peace. Mm. As of this moment, I think it will be 1984 or War and Peace, but I'm probably gonna pick War and Peace because I have read 1984. But yeah, I did excluding... not went through the whole thing with War and Peace. I'm excluding everything I've read, which is Pride and Prejudice, The Hobbit, and Wizard of Oz. And I'm going with War and Peace, which I'm in the middle of right now. Which really? These... Yeah. How do you find it right now? It is very difficult to get through. Very it is difficult, difficult, right? I had to try it a couple times and I still haven't gone through the whole thing. Yeah. I am so determined to go through this. Like, I am determined. <laughs> I've been in it for months. I will get through it eventually. You can do this, Becky. Thank you. I Let's appreciate go. the pop talk. Yeah. <laughs> did you read all of them except for um, Wuthering Heights and War and Peace then? I actually did not read The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Yeah. I never read 1984. I know it's... Really? Depending... It's a good book. I, I know. I know depending on your school curriculum, it might be a required reading. It wasn't for me, so I just never got around ah, to it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it was required in my school. Ah, I see, I see, I see. We had... We had a we had a choice, but we had a kite runner. I think when other people usually read 1984. Huh. Which of these fictional weapons is the most useful? Thor's hammer, King Arthur's sword, Hermione Granger's wand, the One Ring, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, Wolverine's claws. Do we get the powers as well? Like for example, if I'm a Muggle and I have a wand, that won't do me much good. And if I have Thor's hammer, but I don't, I'm not worthy, that also won't do me much good. So yeah. I'm curious, what do you think? Should we say we do have our powers or we don't? I will say that you will have their power. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does it mean it- that if we have the one <laughs> ring, we're Soren? 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like there's nothing here that could beat the One Ring. Really, I know, unless you're not Zoran. Um, I guess, but I don't want to be Gollum as well. How so, about Frodo? Oh man, Frodo, come save me! I'm gonna <laughs> pick the sword. I don't know. Okay, I think I'll pick the wand. Okay. Do you usually make a good first impression? Yes, no, sometimes. Sometimes. I think generally yes, but then it goes downhill very quickly. So I'm gonna go with sometimes. Too. <laughs> Finally, pick one song to be your personal anthem. Toxic by Britney Spears. Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. Oh my god. Oh my god. Fifteen by Taylor <laughs> Swift. Fighter by Christina Aguilera. Juice by Lizzo. Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses. Juice by Lizzo. That used to be my song of the year, I think, in 2019 or something like that. Okay. Who'd you get? I don't think I know this character, but I read on Wikipedia,、uh-huh. so I know a little bit about him. It's an angel. <gasps> oh.、Um, <laughs> okay, we're through. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that reaction was supposed to be, but okay. Uh, but reads you're definitely the quiet one in your friend group and generally not a fan of huge crowds. That's right. You'd rather just stay in and hang out with those closest to you. And what's wrong with that? You're incredibly protective of your friends, though, and won't let anyone say or do anything against them. My reaction is because I get spike, and、oh. they're like enemies, pretty、Rivals? much. Okay.、Uh, yeah, very much so. So nobody really knows what to expect when they meet you. Your tough exterior might scare some people off, but if you see through that to the sensitive soul underneath, you're spookily perceptive of people's emotion, and people are comfortable telling you their deepest secrets. You'd love. For people to think you're a chaotic rule breaker, but you're quite happy to spend your nights reading poetry. So that is, I guess, our respective character within Buffy. I was concerned that you would probably get somebody who wasn't featured in this episode, and you have.、Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Should we go into our final、um, rankings? Sure. I think from a storytelling perspective, I'll give it maybe like seven out of ten. But from purely just watching and listening to it, I'll give it like one out of ten.、Mm-hmm. Um, what should I give it for?、Uh, sassy annoying teenagers. Okay, if you had to amalgamate them, you don't have to. But if you want to amalgamate them, what would be your, like your overall score? Three out of ten. Okay, that is fair. The average should be four out of ten, but that's fine. I'm gonna give it one last point because really it was painful. <laughs> that's fair enough. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten mustards.、Uh, as I mentioned, this is my favorite episode within the series. The only reason why I'm not giving a ten out of ten is because we're not speaking about it in the context of a series. We're speaking about it in context of other musicals, and I think this is probably the best. A musical episode within a TV series will ever have to offer. I'll be very, very happy if this is wrong because that means that the new thing that I would watch would be so amazing. But this episode is near and dear to my heart, and I think overall they did a fantastic job with everything except for maybe some of the performances. Even for the performances, by the way, they had to shoot this in the middle of shooting four other episodes, and they had to take like a lot of classes, additional like dance classes and singing classes and lessons on top of the very hectic schedule. So I'm very grateful that they were able to do all. That and more. 
But with that being said, these are our thoughts about Once More with Feelings. Um, feel free to reach out to us, tell us who you agree with, what are your own thoughts, do you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is there anything that we talked about previously that you want to discuss with us, is there any recommendation you want us for stuff to cover next? Um, you can do all of that and more through our social media at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. If you're not a social media person, don't worry, neither are we. You can reach out to us via email at podwaypodcast.gmail.com. And also, if you have it in your ginormous, lovely, amazing heart to either give us a rating or a review on Spotify or wherever it is you're listening to us through, please do so because it would really help people find out about us. It will help grow the community and we'll be able to, you know, just continue the conversation. So thank you so much for listening and bye.